2: flush slash weight loss
0: Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch, my name's Windy and I'm joined by our tactics guy and blonde bombshell, Nathan A. Clark, oh. hello
1: Nathan. Me and a young Harry Kane to, um, oh shit, what's the word? Oh fuck,
0: oh, i ruined the intro again.
1: It's a good start, mate, it's a good start. Start as we need to go on. Platinum princes, there you go. <laughs> right, okay.
0: <laughs> I was going to say your hair was particularly radiant on the uh, the video you did about Ryan Fraser. Uh, and I love how it manages to boil piss every single time you post it. Post yeah, something. no,
1: every, every time, every time there's a. Uh, it never goes without a... comment.
0: <laughs> Which <you> know, <laughs> to I, I, I suggest that is why you have your hair like that.
1: I mean, in a way, to like yeah. to an extent, definitely. Like, yeah, you know, punk rock, just constant trolling. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, Uh, my psychic and best friend Bardi is currently on holiday in France he is in a particularly beautiful part of France uh, where he sent a photo of himself with the Alps behind him and it looks stunning so he's having a lovely time he does send a message he says hello Windy hello Nathan although I missed the game I thoroughly enjoyed the win distance from Spurs sometimes brings great clarity and this clarity has led me to fully believe in Jose I wish all the listeners well we'll discuss my beliefs fully when I return in the meantime stay safe when he says my beliefs. Um it's slightly ominous, isn't it? I mean, I think he means beliefs about Jose Mourinho, but who knows with Barty?
1: I would like you to speculate.
0: Um flat earth theory. <laughs> yeah. Uh the moon landing was fake. Um lizard people.
1: Mhm. Mhm. All I of those things. A strong tie in with all of those things and Josie Mourinho and Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And just general like trophy noncery <laughs> No, I'm joking. Trophies are good. Um, We need to talk about the Newcastle game, but I don't remember a thing about it because we just watched Leicester and that's like filling my head. So, very briefly, a question from Keith Weichel. He said, delighted with three points. Was it just me or did I kind of see a big hole between defence and midfield where Newcastle consistently passed and switched the ball with freedom? What did you think, Nathan?
1: Uh, Yeah, I remember him asking this at the time and noticing it at the time. Again, I can't remember the Newcastle match because it's really all blowing together quite a lot now. But yes, Mm. that was a Thing at the time, but it, uh, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. We, we, Newcastle are the team who have the the least amount of the ball. Ever and they had so much of the ball, but you know, we got our goal, we sat back, we made them play the football and we punished them for it. Yeah, that's I, that's what we do now.
0: I, I definitely remember Sam Maxim playing central, which was odd, yeah, because I've never seen him play in the middle before. And he definitely picked up a lot of the ball in between our defensive and midfield and he, he caused a few problems, but like no huge scares, I guess. I thought Newcastle actually played okay, you know. Um, and I, I think 3 1. Definitely, like, it wasn't a 3-1 game. It was probably a, a 1-0 or a 2-1 game. I don't think it was a 3-1 game, but um we, we did the job. Uh, Seamus Hart says, We know how we play against possession-based teams, Leicester and Arsenal, and it works. But how how should we play against teams that sit back against us?
1: Well, this is kind of the question, and this is sort of uh, my criticism of Mourinho over the last um five-plus years. Um The answer is we don't. The answer is we score early. And then we turn it into a game where we force them to have the possession against us. And that is that is what we did against Newcastle. To a lesser extent, that's also what we did against Leicester.
0: Mm. And have better players, I guess. As yeah, well. that
1: also, that really helps. Yeah. <laughs> but that's true, that's true. Like, there's, there's an issue with, like, me as a, a tactics nerd being like, just, you know, they're just having the better players. But that's also true if you want to play a possession game, if you want to control the ball and outplay your opposition, you also are going to need at least a competitively similar level of, of players and special players who can do special things like controlling midfield or, or unlocking a, a pack's defence. So
0: I, I know what you're saying, but I think it's less of an issue in the possession-based team because you can create structures that allow you to keep the ball, you might not be a threat. I'm thinking back to, like, peak Swansea, in fact, under Brenda Rodgers, where... And Roberto Martinez, where they would knock the ball around absolutely beautifully and play lovely possession football. They wouldn't always be a threat, because quite often they didn't have a good striker. Like, they were lucky to have Wilfred Bonnie for a while, and they were lucky to have Michu for a while. But when they didn't have those people, they looked completely toothless. But they were still able to play good possession football, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> to an extent, to yes. To an extent,
0: yeah. Um, so, moving on to a Leicester game, uh, firstly, Harry Kane is back.
1: Yeah, he scored boy.
0: Four in his last two games. But in it's both, more than that. Yeah. It, it's like he ran ten and a half kilometres yeah. in both games. He sprinted consistently yeah. well in both games. He's going into challenges robustly, bouncing out of them, turning on sixpence and, and like playing incredible passes. Yeah. He's playing like play makes. Playmaker style passes in the number 10 position and then bombing it into the box to get on the end of them.
1: This was always Harry Kane though, wasn't it? This was That is the, 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 the archetypal Harry Kane move. He drops deep, sprays the ball wide and then arrives there for the return pass. What we'd seen over the last two years was him either staying up top and not coming back in the first place or coming deep and playing the pass but not being able to get in the box in time. It's, it's, it's just been fitness. The whole time, it's just, it's really just been fitness. And that, that prolonged break has done him so much good, man. He looks absolutely like he's looked good recently and he's good against West Ham. Uh. He looked good against. Help me out. What was the other game recently? Everton. Was it just? Was it, Yeah. Uh, wherever. Well, maybe it was Newcastle as well. And he looks He looks phenomenal today against Leicester. Um, that you know. That's what's that four out of six performances where he's looked really strong, which is not something we'd seen from him from a long time. And he just looks explosive. He's he's notching up the offside, which I'm as as keen to see from him as goals. Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah. He's back, baby.
0: I was really nervous about how many minutes he was getting because I was thinking, you know, we're playing all these games in very quick succession. He's got uh, an injury record, which is very terrifying when you yes. when you need to fit Harry Kane. But I have to say I was wrong on that. The, act, the quick games has actually done him a favour in terms yeah. of getting his sharpness back. Um, I think next season is a different story and we're going to have to manage him very carefully, Big particularly agree. if we're playing Europa League football as well. Uh, but this kind of, in many ways, this period's actually been like perfect. The coronavirus has been perfect for Harry Harry Kane, <laughs> like worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Um, the, the match itself was really odd. So we won 3-0. We had the lowest possession we've had in a home game since records began. It was <laughs> under 30% possession. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, the XG was like sub 1.0 for, for us. Yes,
1: but two notes on that. One of the which is that you don't count suns because it was an own goal. Right, you right, don't right. count the same thing in the same move, and that would have been a pretty decent chance. I think like point two, maybe point three. um, And the other thing is that we scored early multiple times from those tiny chances, so we didn't need to create more in return. Once we'd notched up our leads, um, yeah, we we were safe, we were happy. So it I, I don't think that the expected goals in this case it would suggest that like Leicester have outplayed us. I don't think that's the case at all.
0: And also, although it does appear on Sky now, XG wasn't designed to be for an individual match basis. No, it wasn't,
1: but I, I like it, so I use it even though I shouldn't
0: all the time. <laughs> (laughs) Um, Mourinho post-match said That we were strategically good Mm. He said that Brendan Rodgers is in trouble with injuries He's trying to build a team to compensate for other players He's lost And we knew that in transition we could win the game we tried to be very fast at recovering the ball uh which but essentially that's a, that's exactly what we saw on the pitch he, yeah. we we were really good in transition uh we, we were ruthless going forward really ruthless i thought uh, kane's finishing obviously i mean the, the third goal was just the third goal was insane i think <laughs> it's it's worth it is worth noting that ryan bennett is a bad defender he was yeah, he's he's nowhere near the first choice defender sure. uh, i suspect he'll go to a championship club this summer he's not good but even with Ryan Bennett being bad, that finish is really, really, really difficult from that angle, and he couldn't have hit it any sweeter. It was so perfect.
1: I mean, and- that's Harry Kane, though. That's that's. It's not new that he's finishing like that. It's new that he's getting the chance to. Like yeah. he's always he's he's uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's incredible to see it again when we've not seen so much of it. But that's just how ridiculous he has been for such a long time that he would reliably on his weak foot. First time, no look, tucked perfectly, you know, millimeter perfect in every direction. That's Harry Kane.
0: Mm. Oh God! It was that third goal was something else. It was really great. Uh, Lucas managed two assists. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think he's been motivated by me saying he's a championship player. Personally,
1: <laughs> good work, Wendy. The, here's, here's what I'm interested in. Right, the connection between Lucas performing very well right now and also uh, Harry Kane being able to make his own runs and not needing someone to make his runs for him.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's- yeah. It's a really good point it's a really really good point. Um Aiden who is hangy on Twitter says has someone flipped the switch on Lucas starting to get a bit of consistency in, in his game mm. and Dan Spurs stains says a statement as opposed to a question resurgence of Luke, Lucas. I mean he was fantastic against Arsenal, really fantastic against Arsenal with his with his work and some of his passing. I thought against Newcastle his performance was slightly overstated. I didn't think it was as good as some people uh, Sure. So and sure. I thought the same today. Actually, I, I thought his pass for the um, first Kane goal was good. Uh, I thought his pass for the second Kane goal was bad and pushed Kane too far out wide. <laughs> and I thought he did some good defensive work, and he also did some bad defensive work, like not so, tracking his yeah. runner several times. Well, yeah, I much the, the best Lucas I've seen so far is Lucas on the left against Arsenal. Like definitely that was phenomenal. Really, he
1: really did good. play. An incredible three ball for Sissoko today.
0: He did. Was that the volleyed one? It might have been volleyed, yeah,
1: but it was, it was, it was delicious. Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird to see that from him. It is interesting that it's like, you kind of get like the Lucas who's good defensively, but bad in attack, or the Lucas who's, um, good in attack, but bad defensively, and (laughs) rarely the both. I guess Arsenal Mm. was the exception. Um, I don't know he uh regard anyway that's kind of crapping on him when we should be celebrating him because he has played very well recently
0: yeah yeah exactly and i and i think if he keeps this level of performance up then i've got no issue with him staying the, the point mm. is that he's not done this previously this is new and it's like i i i get the point that um we should always give leave, leave the door open for players to improve and i agree yes. i think it's really important to to believe that coaching can improve players and formations can improve players and tactics can improve players uh, uh, but I, long term, the idea of Steven Bergvain being on the bench and Lucas Moore starting is upsetting for me because yeah. I just think Bergvain so much better, so much better as an all-round footballer.
1: I don't, I don't disagree. I just think, uh, just accept it for now. Just accept yeah. it for for the time being. Like if if we start next season and Bergvain is still sitting on the bench and Lucas is still starting games, like I. I that that would be frustrating yeah. long term. But um for now you just accept that we're we're finding ways to win games, basically.
0: Sure, sure. Well, the other thing that's interesting about Lucas is one of our improvements in recent games is our off-ball running. Yes. So beyond Kane, and most of Lucas's good points have come like how do I phrase this? Not from running in behind, essentially, from yes. receiving the ball deep in deeper areas, uh, which I think is quite telling because Lucas has always, for me, been better at driving forward with the ball and having and getting it deeper, scrapping for it first because he's very good at that. Yeah. And then driving forward with it. Um. So Son and Kane. Suddenly, working out how to run in behind, like you say, has uh, has created space and created options. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's notable, really notable. Um, Duncan Butcher, Juicy Sushi, which I whenever I see that at, I think that is just yes. fantastic work. It's good. He says, "How much happier would you be if Spurs played the second half the same way as the first instead of bunkering and riding the game state?"
1: Um, yeah, if we if this had been like a blowout and we'd have really killed Leicester, it would have been. Something to really celebrate. Um, I guess you just you just accept that this is this is what you get from from Spurs at the minute, and it 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 wins games. And you, I know. I I guess maybe you don't get the first half without the second half. If that makes sense, like from a matter of fitness, um, from a from a from an approach, from the, an opposition strategy perspective, and all those things. Yes, I I would have preferred us to like you know really, really, um, Finish teams off in that kind of way, but um, but we will also see games where we have that sort of first half, second half, um, uh, dichotomy. But like when we we yeah we yes we sit deep, yes we can see possession in the second half, but we're also just lethal on the counter, and Mm -hmm. that's how we get our fourth, fifth, sixth goal is by you know uh, punishing teams through that means.
0: Yeah, and I guess the the return of injured players will help. Um, as well because although to be fair like I don't think our bench is that weak at the moment I think the bench has more potential than Mourinho implies sometimes like we could bring Cessignon on for example yes and we would suddenly have a really good counter-attacking threat who can also defend uh, but if you imagine Deli's on the bench, that's a really good option to bring on in the second half, and perhaps you create more chances on the counter. Having done so, I don't know. Maybe that's too. But much also, much.
1: in both those cases, you're creating the chance for good players to have some match time and, mm-hmm. and be in a positive situation, which I think is more important than than oh, you know yeah, improving sure. on a two goal lead or whatever.
0: For sure, for sure, and and certainly the use of substitutes continues to be a frustration for me.
1: It does, but like you know, we're we're seeing Bergvine off the bench. We're seeing you know subs being made at all. We're seeing more than three being used when more than three are available. So I mm. sort of I take it.
0: Mm. Uh, big White heart Lane Blue Hart, who is Spurs' last minute, he Do says you think he
1: might be a Spurs fan.
0: <laughs> it does seem that way. He says it's not pretty, but the results are coming. Could you give us thoughts on what it is that stops us stringing more than four passes together in the final third? <laughs>
1: Uh well we touched on this. It's you know, it's it's a lack of structure, but it's also uh, a lack of commitment forward from various players. It's um And it's an overall game approach, which is that we're gonna sort of, we're, um, it's like it's, it's burst fire (laughs) rather than fully automatic. It's, we're gonna attack for a little bit. And if that doesn't work out, then we'll wait and we'll do it again later rather than just keep continuously trying to keep things going. We're, we're, we're sampling attacks and then abandoning them when they don't work out. And that's fine. We know, and we're taking risks and which you have to do. Um, but that's just, that's just the team we are. And again, we are seeing results that way, so I think you, at least for now, have to largely accept that that's that's the way we play.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think lack of numbers forward is the crucial thing for me. Mourinho doesn't like to commit too many bodies forward at any one time, so that means, naturally, your passes have to be more precise, because there are more opponents than there are your own <laughs> players in, in that half of the pitch, or that third of the pitch. So it's it's difficult, it's more difficult to find a teammate if there are lots of opponents surrounding them. Um, uh, and we, we're kind of Quite reliant on moments of individual brilliance, which luckily Kane and Son have been able to provide in the last few games, and those excellent runs into the channels, which we're looking for increasingly. I'm, I'm thinking we like I'm noticing a lot more long balls into the channels than um, yeah than before the before the break for sure. This is an interesting one. Harry James says opinion on Jedson getting minutes on of the, off the bench over Cess. I find his loan signing bizarre as he's taken minutes from both Cessnyon and Skip. Which I, I mean it's hard to disagree with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean again, it, it, it's the same thing over again. It's 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 function before everything. It's function before attractive football, it's function before player development, it's functioning over um the cost of various players. Uh you know, it's function overall and
0: But is Skip any less functional than Jetson?
1: If Mourinho believes that's the case then that's what he believes. I you know, um I don't rate Judson especially highly. I do think Ses Young has a high upside, but he's not he's not there right now. He's not given us, you know, his best version of himself, his fully developed adult senior player version of himself. Um so Mourinho sees it as something a risk. I, you know, wouldn't be completely persuaded by that idea, but I I accept that that's what Mourinho believes and that that is his approach basically.
0: Mm, mm. Uh, so in this game, I thought LaCelso was quite quiet. Sure. Uh, Mittel says Gio, what's his best position? I think he's more suited to be to playing off the right where he can utilise his ability to dribble with the ball. And equally, Life of Tie says, would you put GLC's recent form down to fatigue or lack of a stable position?
1: Uh, I think he's probably looks better for us in the central midfield role rather than in as a number 10 generally. Uh, I like him off the right too, but I think his best position is dictated by what we need. So we've seen us switching back and forth between the 4-3-3 and the 4-2-3-1 a lot over the last couple of games and also a, a brief sample of the 4-2. Um, and the best possible use of Geo is in his versatility it's in us being able to switch shapes based on the game based on the opposition based on the needs he's not bad <laughs> he's not he's not had any bad games he's had some quiety games he's had less good games but he's not like let us down or or you know been a weak player in any of those positions so it's it's just a matter of, you know i think he's performed better in central midfield but he's not a problem as a number 10 not even slightly
0: is it not also the case that it's kind of like what you said earlier about Jedson. We, we, Mourinho currently, f- for many reasons, values functionality over all else. There's no kind of attempt to possess the ball, dictate tempo, do anything adventurous, and so we're naturally not going to see like the complete upside of of Lo Celso. He's very good and very tenacious at playing a functional midfield role. He did a really good job of that in like three or four games when he played in a in a four, four in in a midfield 2. Sure. Um but I don't think you get the best from him. Like, he's not going to be playing his best football there. Um, well, There'll need to be a stylistic change to get the best out of him. And it sure. might be that when we have a defensive midfielder and can play him as one of a midfield three, ideally with Ndombele, then we might start seeing something different.
1: Sure. I mean, he can be more expressive and, and, and show off his creative side. But, but, you know, a respect to him for being mouldable and coachable and responding to the needs and the instructions of the team.
0: Hmm. Right, we're going to slot in here a short interview that Nathan and I did earlier with Bruno Vidricas, who had seen a bit of our potential new signing, Kim Min-jae. So uh, thank you, Bruno, for your thoughts. And here is the interview now. Welcome, listeners, to a bonus episode of The x Inch. My name is Windy and I'm joined by our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clarke. Hello, Nathan. oi And we're joined by Bruno Vidricas, who has very kindly uh, contacted us and, and said that he knows a few things about potential signing Kim min Jay Bruno, hello, welcome.
2: Hi, thank you very much, Wendy. Just a few things, mate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, any insight you can offer is going to be really useful because, I mean, firstly, it's difficult to get a lot of information about him. Uh, the, the Chinese league is not well covered in the UK, um, but also like it's difficult to get full recording. So we go by watching highlight reels and you can't always tell a great deal from that. And we've had plenty of players who've looked great in highlight reels. I'm thinking George, Kevin, and Kudu. And then you see them play an actual match and they're not quite so impressive. Um, Bruno, first off, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you, why you know about the Chinese Super League?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, after I finished university when I was about 21, 22, I moved out to Beijing, um, to work in a translation company and I kind of really, immerse myself in the culture as much as I could and and part of that was watching as much Chinese football as I could um so I used to watch quite a lot of Beijing Guan uh, which is where where Kim's playing now um and yeah I think it's it's given me quite a good insight into that kind of world and how
0: does the Chinese Super League kind of stack up compared to what we're used to in the, with the Premier League
2: yeah so I mean the obvious the obvious kind of thing to to get out of the way is is obviously the quality is is far lower than than that in the Premier League um but I think the biggest kind of differentiator is the tempo. It's it's a very very slow league. It's a fairly technical league, um, but it's one where there aren't as many kind of quick patterns of play, and it, a lot of it's about the build up. and And uh, I think that's that's something that, that is going to be kind of a big thing for Kim to adapt to if he does make make the move over to the Premier League. Sure, and is it dominated
0: by a couple of um, teams that tend to do well, or is the quality spread out throughout the league?
2: Uh, no, it's definitely definitely the former. Uh, Guangzhou Evergrande, I think, have won, I think, eight of the last nine titles. Um, yeah, and, and they've really been dominating for a while. Uh, there are a few kind of interesting teams, especially recently pop, popped around. Dalian uh, has recently been taken over by Rafa Benitez, who's also brought along uh, Salman Rondon with him, Marek Hamzik is also there as well, and, and Carrasco. Um, so they're kind of a team to watch moving forward. But I, I'd say, yeah, it's definitely up to now kind of been dominated by Guangzhou. Nathan, what, what about um, data-wise? Is it difficult to get data
0: from the Chinese Super League? Uh,
1: it's not impossible, but it, it is difficult Um think opted don't cover uh the shining super league much at all there is quite a bit in the way of Y scout data whether that's harder to use and get an idea of um from what data i am able to put together um kim is a a standout in in pretty much every regard um though so (laughs) at least there's that
0: interesting okay so i guess i guess we need to ask bruno what his standout qualities are
2: yeah so I completely agree with Nathan, uh, just to follow up on that. I think data is very hard to come by. And that's why some aspects that I'm going to kind of say that I think are good traits of Kim. We kind of have to preface with that aspect. It, it, it's kind of your instincts rather than statistical backup, which is what I I'd ideally like to have for a lot of his, uh, his traits. But I'd say, um, the kind of the biggest trait. Well, the first thing to mention about Kim when you see him, uh, is, and take note of it, is his size. Uh, he, he's an absolute unit. He's probably, I think he's around 6'2", six, 6'3", six, but it's his frame that's very striking. He's kind mm. of very broad shoulders. He's extremely powerful. And he um, he, he reminds me a bit of Damington Sanchez in the way that he, he will try to use that in every uh, opportunity possible. He, he will constantly kind of engage in physical battles with, with strikers and with wingers when they come inside um, and, and try to use his frame as much as he can. Um, but I do think he has a lot more than just kind of that physicality. The, the biggest thing I've seen to stay away from him in the last year is his kind of ability to step up and challenge forwards very kind of proactively um, and aggressively kind of win the ball back for his team, step into midfield and, and start to launch counterattack. Um I think that's a very, yeah, a very kind of prominent play of his in, in the past year. That's definitely something that came
0: across in the highlight reels that I've seen of him. Like you say, proactively getting to the ball ahead of the centre forward and then doing something, be it stepping into midfield himself or playing a quick pass into midfield. Um, The other thing that stands out, and we've mentioned this in the podcast previously, but I think it's worth noting here, the size of his head. He's got a massive head. Yeah, which probably helps when heading away uh, corners or heading in corners because he tends to score a few from set pieces, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, he does. And and I mean, the head, I think, is what's kind of drawn a lot of these Harry Maguire comparisons. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it's very hard to look past that head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, yeah, he's, he's fairly good. I don't think he's done that well going forward um, attacking corners in in the Chinese Super League in the past year but definitely for Korea it's been Mm. a trait which you know only be a positive thing is as, as Son generally takes a fair few corners for South Korea as well, so that could be that could definitely be a feature that we'll see uh, for Spurs.
0: And then we saw Son uh, get an assist from a, a set piece against Arsenal, indeed, so hopefully, the more, hopefully more of that to come. Um, so, so great to hear about his defensive style and what's he like on the ball,
2: Bruno? I think he's he's very competent on the ball, Um, he's a very good passer. I think the tricky thing is, and, and it comes back to these comparisons of the leagues, right? We really don't know how good kind of his passing is without a lot of the movement ahead of him. So he will regularly kind of nick a ball off a striker, step into midfield, and, and you kind of... There's a moment where Beijing Guan could maybe have a counter-attack or, or create an opportunity, but the kind of lack of movement ahead of him, uh, it, it really stifles him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think if, you know, if we saw him step out and he had Winks and the so Morin, Sissoko, Kane and Son, ahead of him kind of moving around, I think we'd see a lot more of his passing ability. Um, but But so far... From what I've seen, it, it looks good. He looks very good, very comfortable on the ball. That's encouraging.
0: In terms of other players that have come out of the Chinese Super League, have there been many successes?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say, um, the, the only kind of one that I can think of that's done well out of the Chinese Super League recently was Paulinho, who um, <laughs> didn't, didn't do too well for us. Um, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I think generally you don't see too many players go that way um, from the Chinese Super League to Europe and do well. Um, it tends to be the reverse, right? It tends wow. to be the reverse, exactly, yeah, exactly. Ulay,
1: a uh, spaniel, doing all right. Who's yeah. that, sorry? Ulay, Ulay. Ulay. yeah, Ulay. yeah. Ulay.
2: yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of Chinese players have, I think, in the past, um, but yeah, it's not something you see too often.
0: Maybe that's something that'll become more prominent as the league develops. Uh, it seems quite young in terms of its development, um, and, and what tends to happen is. Older European players tend to go. Eventually, it will attract more fans, more money, and then perhaps the grassroots will start getting some proper investment and, and we'll see growth in the league itself. But um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to know how, how he would then settle in Europe. I, I guess having Sonny at Spurs would help just by virtue of the fact that they both are South Koreans, speak Korean. So at least can he'll have someone to communicate with. That, that would definitely help. Um, but difficult to know, sort of, in terms of st- his play style, whether he'd translate well to the Premier League. Um, and what about a fee, Bruno? Do you have a, an idea of what kind of fee he might command?
2: Yeah, so it seems to be. Again, I've only kind of taken what Chinese media I can about this. There, is, there aren't too many English reports, but it seems to be around the twelve million pounds mark. Um, he, he actually only moved to Beijing and L- one year ago for five million pounds. So okay. it seems like it would be a fairly kind of strong piece of business, particularly in this current uh, climate to, to to kind of get 12, 30 million pounds from straight away. And I think Spurs would probably be quite happy to pay, pay that.
0: Yeah, I mean, we if, if we're letting Vertonghen go, we probably do. And, and it looks like Foyth will also leave on loan. Uh, so we probably do need another centre back to so kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, so like a, a a good piece of business all round, basically.
2: Yeah, I think I think so. The only kind of concern I have from a from a Spurs fan point of view um, is if this is the way that we're allocating our very limited budget, then that's a slight worry for me. I think uh, I think he'll do. He he probably will do quite well at Spurs, uh, but I do think there are other probably areas of the squad that I'd rather see us improve.
0: Mm, sure,
2: that's fair enough.
0: Bruno, that was really interesting. Thank you very much for your insight. Is there anything uh, that you'd like to to plug to our listeners?
2: No, no, not really. Just uh, keep keep listening to the extra inch. I think you guys are doing very good work, so so keep it up. Oh, you're very kind. Very <laughs> kindly. Of you. Thank you ever so much. Thank you very much. You. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our
0: prices
1: since uh
0: speaking to Bruno or, or prior actually to speaking to Bruno you did some research on Kim as well and had some some views did you is there anything you wanted to pick up on
1: uh well i agree with with basically what bruno said um i've, I've been watching a bunch of his games i mean i'm going to i'm going to put together another uh scouting video on kim i think i did one for Javier. i did one for fraser and people seem to like them um but I mean, the, the, the too-long-did-not-watch version is he's too good for the Chinese League. He may or may not be good enough to play in the Premier League. There's simply no way of knowing. Um, but I'll, I'll give you something more in-depth um, and some more context on that uh, in video form in the near future. Cool.
0: Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about squad building as well. I wrote an article about... Our squad, and in particular, the homegrown rule. What's interesting with Spurs is that last summer, we seemed to do some sort of homegrown rule preparation by signing Ryan Sessegnon and yeah. Jack Clark. Yeah. And then both of them have pretty much stood still, um, which which doesn't really help in, in many ways. Although they don't need, to, neither needs to be named in the the 25 man squad for next year because they're they're young having them as freebies is is less kind of helpful if they're not going to be trusted to get minutes um it's interesting because as it stands, we've probably got space for three more non-homegrown players, uh if we don't sell anyone. Uh, the, the the suggestion is that we might sell, we might sell Aurier for example. It's possible that we'll sell Aurier. We could even sell Gazaniga so we could create more space. But as it stands at the moment, it's looking like yeah, like three more is the is the the max non-homegrown players we we could buy. So that makes homegrown signings really quite attractive. And we have spoken before Nathan, about Ollie Watkins and our admiration of him. We've also spoken about some of the really good championship right-backs, like Jaden Bogle, Nathan Ferguson, uh, Matty Cash, who I know you like very much. Um, Max Ahrens has been strongly linked also. I'm not so big on Aarons, but I know lots of people do like him. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be a summer where Spurs do target some, some English players?
1: um only that like the pl- the three players we've been linked to most strongly so far are Hoybier Fraser and Kim and none of them are homegrown mm-hmm. so i don't know if we're also looking to pick up maybe afterwards a couple of championship players or whatever but um it it looks like we we we're not too worried about or or i don't i don't really know it's confusing to me cuz um there's we're clearly like pushing towards our limits in terms of homegrown.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a bad thing if we don't name a 25-man squad. So, for example, sure. we could name a 22-man squad and that would be absolutely fine if we have lots of players who are under 21 at who we trust to get minutes, um, like Cessignon, for example. Um, the, the problem seems to be that we don't have that many under 21 players who are trusted as it stands and Mourinho hasn't sort of tested any of them out as such. The only ones that I think we can expect to get minutes next season who are under 21 are Jedson, Tanganga. Maybe Cesson, maybe White, Cirkin, and Parrot between them can can have a few minutes. But that the kind of if they're getting a few minutes here and there, that's going to stunt their progression in the same way that we've seen other players have their progression stunted previously. So, I mean, I was really excited to hear this week when Oliver Skip signed a new contract that Mourinho is probably going to look into loading him out next year. I, I thought that was a really uh, encouraging statement. Would you be more in favour of sending most of these young players on loan if they're not going to be used?
1: Um, I think it's case by case. Like, I wouldn't want to see Young go out and loan. Skip is a maybe. But I think Cirkin, White, Rolls, Clark again, yes. For me, those are all sort of, you you plan to loan them first. um, And then maybe if you've still got a massive issue in the squad towards the end of the summer, then you have to rethink that. But for me, those are in a pre-loan status.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You? No, I agree. I agree. I think the, the Europa League will be interesting. Mourinho's kind of already hinted towards yeah. using young players in the Europa League. I don't think he'll go that young. Like when he talks about using young players in the Europa League, I think he's talking about Tanganga and Sessignon and, and like maybe Foyth, for example, right. or, or maybe White or Serkin, probably not both. Maybe Parrott if we're lucky, but... I don't think there'll be like five or six young players in at once and therefore I feel it'll be much better for us to get Parrot out on loan for the first half of the season and get White on loan for half the season two. Where would you be
1: loaning Parrot to, do you think?
0: So I would loan Parrot to a championship club. Okay. Just because he would play every minute. Or, or certainly the majority you certainly of games. think
1: so yeah
0: uh, and I think he would do really, really well. and if there are question marks over his, um professionalism, I, I think he'd learn very quickly that you can't be Billy Big Bollocks when there are people you're playing with who depend on this to make a living. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a lesson he would learn very quickly and I think it would do him well to go to a club like Wickham, for example, where Gareth Ainsworth has just got a fantastic kind of collective mentality with lots of players who are not the best in terms of uh technical ability but are are one of the best in terms of mental a bit like their, their their mentality and as human beings they are just decent people who work hard for one another uh and, and there seems to be a really good club spirit there i think the, the problem with like the idea of Parrot going to Wickham is you're not going to get them paying his wages because they can't afford it. But you have to take a hit there, I think.
1: No, I don't think that's... I think I think we should be completely prepared to, to, to balance his wages. Yeah. In, in you know, definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested. That's one thing about Mourinho that does make me kind of optimistic, that I, I think he's going to be... Well, he's already shown he's more prepared to send players on loan. And I think that is a good thing. And I fully support that going into next season as well I mean what we've seen previously is something that I refer to as the leapfrog effect where essentially a player comes through from the academy and they look really really good they get promoted to the first team squad but they don't actually play and then the next player below them comes through also goes on loan does well on loan and suddenly seen as a better player yeah like they weren't necessarily better but they were, they're they now seen as a better player because they've had more opportunity. And you can kind of see that with Walker-Peters and, and the likes of Max Ahrens. I mean, there's no way that at the same age Uh, aarons would be considered better than walker peters but because he's had games he's leapfrogged walker peters in everyone's thinking uh and that's through no fault of of walker peters just the fact he hasn't played and now he's getting games we're seeing rave reviews for walker peters by southampton fans i realise that people listening to this might still think that he's not good enough for spurs but he's a very competent premier league player you know much like max aarons is a competent premier league player and there's you know Aaron's isn't vastly better than Walker Peters. Basically, put it that way. I, I actually think the opposite. Um, but yeah, th- this th- this is this is what happens when players don't get opportunities, and it's really important that if they're not going to play for us, they play for someone. What was interesting today was that we played Leicester, and and their their player playing at left wing back, um, Luke Thomas, has now played more minutes in the last week. I think it was. Uh, Rowden Raul, that tweeted that yep. than, than Skip has all season at any level including Premier League 2 that is insane we cannot let that happen at our club it's it's madness when you've got an asset as valuable as Oliver Skip whether he's going to be a Spurs first team player or not he needs to be playing football to, to become to maintain value but also potentially to become a Spurs first teamer uh, so some of our decision making around young players has been really really poor uh, Zach Kiefer on this note says, with Spurs finally targeting a defensive midfielder this summer, it seems like it would be beneficial for Skip to go out on loan to gain some playing time. What sort of level do you envisage is best for him? Could he conceivably go to a club like Southampton as part of a deal for Hewbjerg, or would he be more suited for a year in the championship? I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we've we been talking about Walker-Peters being the make-weight in a deal for uh, Hewbjerg. Could Skip be a make-weight too
1: on loan? Possibly. I think that um, Southampton will feel pretty unsure of him. Um, they Obviously, they'll recognise that he's a, a prospect, but with so little senior game time to, to look over, um, it's a difficult decision for them. I think I think the, the the skip thing is interesting. Essentially, if you assume that we're going to sign Javier, then um, we have to choose who we're going to have as the second-choice defence midfielder next season, whether that is Winks or whether that is skip Um, now that could be that we say um, we're going to sell Winks. We're going to see what kind of profit we can turn on Winks. Make Skip second choice. Give him mm. two to five hundred minutes next season. The second choice be- behind Hoybier. We're probably not going to go that route. Which means that yes, we if we don't go that route, if we don't clear room for Skip to getting minutes, then he needs to go on 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 loan or a buyback. <laughs> I I I I find the culture of buybacks in Spain and the complete lack of culture in buybacks elsewhere really. In intriguing i would i would sell him to southampton if they're interested with a with a a buyback clause to activate two years down the road um but whatever that's a whole different conversation
0: it's interesting because if you own a player you're much more likely to put faith in them and and put your development time into them aren't you if it's a lone player less so Uh, particularly in a club like Southampton's case. I mean, Southampton have their own really good academy that brings through decent players. For example, uh, they've got Will Smallbone, who's just coming through and looks decent and could probably play one of their midfield roles. So perhaps they don't even need... Perhaps we don't even need to uh, have Skip. But I mean, in hindsight, maybe the best place for Skip next year would be the championship where he plays most games. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's good enough to play Premier League football. But would he play 38 matches? Possibly not. We want to get him as much game time as possible to make up for this past season. Uh, Sticking with the idea of squad building. RJ, who is RJ Can Fly, says, Kane is about to turn 27. What does Spurs and Jose have to do to get the best
1: out of his prime? Hmm. What do you think that question means, Wendy?
0: I think what RJ is referring to is how we manage his minutes effectively. And I think this, this question becomes particularly interesting if we do qualify for the Europa League. We can't play Kane in both competitions. I wouldn't want to. We, we really can't do that. Yeah. Uh so it has to be that we have an alternative. And then you start thinking, is Parrot that an alternative or do we buy Milik for twenty million, whatever it'll cost to get Milik?
1: I mean I would probably buy Ollie Watkins. A, a cheaper, younger, homegrown player like well, I don't know, Ollie Watkins or whatever. Um I mean I I would happily commit to Parrot playing every Europa League game that we're qualified for next season. Instead, I, I suspect the club aren't going to go that way. Otherwise, we would have seen more of him over the last year. Uh, I wouldn't run it out either. But yes, I think, yeah, We as much as we have a hole in defensive midfield and as much as we have an issue at right back. Um, actually, let me pause there for a second. Uh, huge shout out to Serge Jorio, who's obviously dealing with incredibly difficult circumstances. Um, and, and he clearly believes the best way for him to process his grief is to play and he's performing fine, absolutely fine, so um, a big love to, to Serge Aurea for um, what he's going through at the moment that said, <laughs> we do want to generally improve at right back, maybe that's making Serge a second choice Like I wouldn't completely rule that out as a, as a way of going, or uh, we do want to improve at right back, we do need to improve in defensive fields desperately, but yeah, we've got to take some minutes away from Harry Kane um in in the nicest way possible because he will just run himself into the ground. Harry Kane does need that rest clearly, and it, he he is obsessed, and that obsession drives him in the best possible way, um in terms of his performance and his self-development, and all of those things. But it also means he will make he will declare himself fit. He will tell his manager that he's fit when he's not. He will convince himself mm-hmm. that he's fit when he's not. Yeah and that means we we've got to have a decent like when there's no when the second choice striker is Lucas Moura up top and Harry Kane says why are you going to play Lucas Moura up top ahead of me it's, it's a lot harder to argue with him than when you have Ollie uh, mm-hmm. Watkins or whatever else to say, Kane, you need to take some games off because you will explode your ankles again and then you'll rush back from injury too early and yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, again, it's probably third priority. <laughs> Um, but it is a high priority. We, we've we got to find a way for Kane to sit on the bench sometimes um, so that we can preserve his career and, and get the best performances out of him and get the, get the best seasons out of him.
0: I do think also that is... One other benefit of Mourinho in that he is a complete authoritarian and if he tells Harry Kane he needs to have a game off or two games off or three games off, then there won't be an <laughs> argument. Or there might yes. be an argument and Kane might leave, but, you know, at oh. least he's going to force the issue.
1: But 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 also, so far, he's played Kane every minute <laughs> either side of lockdown. Sure. This side of lockdown, I, I with you, I I agree that that's the right thing, but it was also the case beforehand. mm
0: yeah, I guess you'd argue a lack of alternatives. Once sure, he's got okay. an alternative in go. place, then hopefully he will actually press the rotate button. There you go. Uh Jace Tucker says, take back the comment about selling winks. That's aimed at me very much. <laughs> uh, so I just need to sort of I address just this it. again. I just <laughs> I just <laughs> Go on, go on. <laughs> um, so I said in a previous podcast that we should consider selling Winks or Sissoko. Um, yeah, you're I, not I, wrong. I, I, I stand by that. I mean, of the two, obviously, I would prefer to hang on to Winks because yes. I think he's a better footballer. I think he's more versatile. Man, that's not true. I think he, <laughs> I think he's potentially more midfield versatile. Uh, and I also obviously think he's uh, important in terms of the homegrown quota. And, and therefore... he's fully coised. And he's fully coised. And I just love Harry Winks. I really, really like Harry Winks. Uh, I don't have those same feelings about Mucha Soko. I think it makes sense to sell him as he's getting older anyway. And I think he, although he does some good things, I think he's a weak spot in the, in the team and in the squad. Um, but I do I do stand by the fact that if we can't sell Sissoko, we should probably sell wings. Sure,
1: and it's a matter of the offers that we get.
0: Exactly, exactly. Name. Like what we can't have is a huge clutch of fairly samey midfielders taking up vast amounts of wages sure. in our squad. We, we're not rich enough. Yeah, we're not rich enough to do that. We can't just stockpile players. And Sissoko is a high earner. I think he's on like ninety <laughs> a week. <laughs> Ooh, boy. I suspect Winks is on maybe 60, 70, something like that. So so in response to Jace's question, I mean, the ideal solution to me is we keep Winks. And he's like, our Hoy- Winks and Huybier a rotation at the yeah. base of the midfield next season. And, and that's good. I'm happy with that. Uh, moving on. Doran, who is DOS Doz23, he says, where the Mourinho haters at? Amar, who is... M Garfi he says, "Are we starting to see the personality behind the Jose team for the first Jose Spurs team for the first time?" Uh, Mal Sadikov, who is the Tonka, says, "Is it possible that Mourinho is actually a winning coach?" <laughs> I hate the counter attack as the main tactic in general, but it's certainly been effective. And John Bursell said, "Where is Windy on the Jose swingometer now?" But I'll start with you, Nathan. Where are you no, on no, the Jose swingometer? No, no, I wanted to know where
1: you are on the Jose swingometer.
0: Okay. So here is my statement on my current position with (laughs) Jose Mourinho. Um, I don't want Jose Mourinho to be our manager. I really, really don't want Jose Mourinho to be our manager, but he is our manager and he's getting results. And so he will continue to be our manager whilst he continues to get results. And me constantly shitting on Mourinho being our manager is not going to be fun for anyone to listen to, (laughs) read. It's not going to be good for my health or anyone else's health. So I'm not going to do that. Instead, I am just going to uh, become zen with my feelings about Mourinho and Spurs. I don't think he's a progressive coach for Spurs. I think he is potentially like a toxic influence at the club. I think he'll ruin some relationships between players and the club. I also think he can win us trophies. I think he can win a trophy next season. I think he could win us trophies the season after. And I suspect we've got him for two or three years. I don't really like the style of football, but I completely appreciate that given the circumstances post-Project Restart, with what he's had to deal with beforehand and the return to fitness of players, like I completely understand the choices he's made and I appreciate the fact that he's done well points-wise. I don't like watching Spurs at the moment in terms of our play style. I do like watching Harry Kane And so I will find these things to keep me watching Spurs and enjoying it. But I don't watch the post-match interviews anymore. Uh, I I occasionally will read the quotes, but I I largely try and keep away from them. And. (laughs) I've got Mourinho muted as a word on Twitter. Wow. And
1: That's, yeah, wow.
0: I don't like engaging with the fact that he's our manager. So there we go. Yeah.
1: No, I uh, my opinion isn't a million miles away from you. This is why we need We need to get Bardi on the phone. But, yeah, um, okay. I
0: mean, he loves him. He really loves him, <laughs> genuinely.
1: <laughs> okay, here, here we go then. Um, one... <laughs> Jose Mourinho has done a genuinely very good job of arresting the terrible, terrible form, not just form, but mentality, um, just the the whole mess that was at Tottenham this season. Uh, Two, I think that Jose Mourinho could definitely um, continue this trajectory positively. um, If there's investment with the squad, especially continue with the functionality and make us qualify for the Champions League next season. Three, I would change Jose Mourinho out if there was a good manager uh, available instead who was going to play progressive, attractive football and bring through young players without without a shadow of a doubt. 100% I would.
0: That's it, isn't it? I mean, we're basically pining for what we had under Pochettino. It's really, really hard to go from a manager like Pochettino who ticks so many boxes of what I want as a Spurs fan, like playing good football, but playing like a structured style of good football where you can see every week a tangible improvement up to a point. I mean, I appreciate it and carry on as long as we'd like. But you can see like... In his first couple of seasons, you could just see the game plan clicking every game and it was so good and we were really expansive and exciting and Kane and Winks came through and that was lovely. That's like the youth progression stopped so there are, there were downsized to potch as well um but I'm not getting like progressive football vibes from jose i'm getting I'm getting like oh, of gr- he's gonna grind out the results he's gonna grind out the results and and that means he's gonna get the results and he's <laughs> very good at getting results. And if if you if you love winning, like Bardi is the most competitive man I know. Genuinely, that's like he just is. I, I've mm-hmm. played football with Bardi. Uh, Bardi has a winning mentality. <laughs> um, he he like he's a runner. He loves getting his personal bests. He's he loves winning. And there will be lots of other Spurs fans who enjoy that too. And so having a manager like Mourinho, who makes sure like a win at all costs approach is taken to games, that's going to be really popular amongst them.
1: And that's completely valid. If that's it's completely,
0: you completely valid. But it's not the way I appreciate football. No. It's not the way I enjoy my football. I, w- I would rather do a little bit worse in the league but play nicer football. Um, but, but with the feeling that one day we could get better, you know? That's the thing. I yeah. don't think Mourinho can win us the league. Uh, I don't think that if Mourinho had had the team that Pochettino had had that he could have won us the league. Uh, but, but but who could win us the
1: league with our current financial? Structure? Sure, that's kind of yes. It's it's not impossible. It's just very very difficult.
0: And like I said, there are some upsides to Mourinho. So I'm pleased he's sending young players on loan. I think that will improve their development long term. Uh, I think occasionally his authoritarian approach might be helpful. Although I I'm scared for what it means for Ndombele Um, and I will really enjoy winning a cup if it happens. <laughs> I will really really enjoy winning the cup. Yeah, the, 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 the winning the cup will be. Will be fantastic. The journey to winning a cup will be like it'll be like driving to the south of France in um, a Fiat Punto with a suitcase on your lap all the way there. It will not, and no sweets in the front. You're not getting sweets from your mum. That is what the journey will feel like to me. It will be uncomfortable and unpleasant, and I'll want to have a break, but I'll really enjoy it once we get there. So there we go. There's where the Mourinho haters are at. Uh, Leonardo who Lenny D LennyD1210 he says all three of you agreed on the last podcast I think this was two podcasts ago now that Davies is fine at left back or even good I disagree with this wholeheartedly he's a slow stay at home fullback who's not particularly good at defending 1v1 or reading the game and is a poor crosser what am I missing
1: uh, he is slow but I think he's decent at defending 1v1s despite his lack of pace and um I think he reads the game pretty well and I think his creative passing is quietly very impressive. Um I don't really know how to persuade you if you feel the exact opposite on several of those issues. I of course there are limitations with Davies uh especially athletically but um I don't know he wouldn't he wouldn't be starting so many games under both Potts, Gino and Mourinho if he was terrible. He's he's fine man honest.
0: He really suits what Mourinho is doing at the moment. He really suits it because
1: he is a stay at
0: home fullback and that's what Mourinho wants yeah and so he doesn't have to coach him to stay stay back because he just naturally does it anyway (laughs) but also like you say he has got quite underrated underrated passing and that's really helpful when we're kind of knocking balls into the channels and and trying to stretch teams on the counter so he's he's kind of well suited I kind of agree more with Leonardo Leonardo that um uh, Davis isn't good. I'm like I, I appreciate his mentality. I appreciate what he's given to Spurs over the last few years. It can't have been easy not being like a, a cemented first choice, but still giving it all each game. And there's no doubt about that. He's very committed. Um, I am not the biggest Ben Davis fan in the sure. world in terms of his ability and what he offers. And I would much rather have. I mean, so what I think about fullbacks is, and I said this on Twitter the other day, fullbacks should be a sword rather than a shield. And I don't see either of our fullbacks as particularly good swords. Certainly Aurier, the intention is to use Aurier that way, but I don't think he is good enough. And I get upset when I think back to, like, the attacking threat we had when Rose and Walker were, were at their very, very best uh, under Pochettino. And, like, if you think about the added elements that constantly attacking good fullbacks bring you and the space that creates for your other uh, attacking players, it's it's a lot. But then Mourinho is not going to use a system that, enjoy, that employs that anyway. So it's not the end of the world. Anything to add, Nathan?
1: Uh, Session Young's pretty good. Yeah, how would you rate his season? Ceson Young's season, mm. uh, three out of ten because he scored that goal in the Champions League. That's nice.
0: I wonder what's going through his head right now.
1: I don't know. I don't. Think, I don't think this is this is a a fruitful <laughs> speculation to be making. Just uh, you know, just hope for the best. Yeah, because he's very good. He really is.
0: You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for the production, thanks to Bardi for being Italian, thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork, thanks to David Lindner for our intro music, you can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and the SoundCloud D Lindner, do check him out, he's great. Great, great, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch, email us via podcast at theextrainch.com.ca and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review, that would be really